Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are here at the ATP Champions Tour event in Delray Beach, and tonight we have with us an individual that was ranked as high as number four in the world, made 24 singles finals appearances in his career, and played what many have said was one of the best night matches ever at the U.S. Open against his, his countryman, Andre Agassi. Tonight, we are going to break down point by point the ebbs and flows of that epic fifth set tiebreak in the 2005 quarterfinal night match in New York. It is my honor and privilege to welcome to the pod, James Blake. James, thank you for uh, reliving this, this heartache but unbelievable match tonight. Uh, normally, I would say my pleasure, but this one, this one might hurt a little, but it, it, it'll still be fun. Happy to be here. <laughs> so let me set the stage a little bit. Um, this was a quarterfinal match in 2005, but I want to bring it back a little bit a year um, in 2004 because that was a difficult, difficult year for mm-hmm. you to say the least. Um, you fractured your neck practicing on clay in Rome. Your father passed away shortly thereafter, and then you, um, you developed shingles, which temporarily paralyzed half your face and, and blurred your vision. Yeah. So 2005 was basically a year for you just kind of getting back into, into playing shape, and you played some challenger events. Um, you had a very good summer leading up to that U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, you lost a good friend, Andy Roddick, in Washington, D.C. You won the New Haven event. I believe you actually accepted a wild card yeah. into the U.S. Open. Yeah, I was a wild card into, I believe, New Haven and the U.S. Open, and I, um, yeah, I'd been coming back, and um, I had definitely had a one thing that was going for me is I had great perspective because 2004 was so rough that I really didn't know if I'd ever play tennis again. Um, doctors weren't sure if my face would heal, if the nerves would regenerate, and if I'd be okay um, to ever really play anywhere near that level again. So I was so happy to be playing um, and so happy to be out there. And then as my form was coming back, getting stronger and more consistent, um, it was just a ton of fun to be playing as well as I was that summer. And, yeah, losing to Andy Roddick in the finals of D.C., I, I actually felt like I played pretty well. Andy just um, played a little better. I think I lost to Roger in Cincinnati, and then I um, uh, played great at, uh, in New Haven and had a lot of momentum going, going in there. And 05, um, playing Rafa in the second round, um, beating him, or third round. Third round. That was um, – I mean, that was kind of a dream come true doing that on Arthur Ashe Stadium, beating the number two player in the world and playing some of my best tennis. So I just felt like I was rolling. And then getting into that, um, that match with Andre, it was, it was crazy because there was so much hype because of everything I had gone through coming back. And Andre, no one knew how many more years they had to watch um, such a great champion of our sport. So there you have it, night match, quarterfinal. <laughs> yeah. Day of locker room before. Yeah. Um, were you nervous? Were you excited? Did you see Andre at all earlier in the day? Yeah, so night matches are always really um, really interesting because it actually, to me, feels like a final. I wouldn't say I get nervous because I, I never, I won't say never, but very rarely felt nervous on a tennis court or going into a, t- into a tennis match because I always felt like the worst thing that can happen is you're going to lose a tennis match. And I also felt like this is what I prepared for. If I wasn't prepared... I feel like I'd be very nervous. It's similar to giving a speech. If you're prepared for your speech, I don't think I'm never nervous. If I'm unprepared and get something thrown on me impromptu and I don't know what I'm talking about, I'd be extremely nervous. I knew how to play tennis, so I wasn't nervous about that. I was just ready for it to get started um, because I really felt like I had a good chance. The way I was playing, especially after beating Rafa um, and playing as well as I was playing, I thought I thought I really had a chance to win this match. I knew Andre was great. I was I always looked forward to playing him because. We both play very quickly. We both 
hit as hard as we can pretty much and we have great ball striking and so there's a lot of a lot of fun for me in that it's not a match where you get served off the court where you don't have any control right um so there's going to be a lot of shot making so i really enjoyed those kind of matches so going into it i just felt like okay let's um let's go out there and show what we can do did you see him earlier in the day or in the locker room before the match no i'm not someone that goes over during the day of a night match so i didn't i wasn't at the courts until probably just a few hours um before the match was getting ready to go on so I got over, I did my normal warm-up. I think he was already there. Um, but it's it was very normal, just in the locker room. Hey, Andre, how's it going? Nothing um, nothing that earth-shattering there where we're, there's no trash talk. There's no... No, and I know you guys are friends, yeah, too. Yeah, there's so. no, um, no... Nothing crazy going on. It was just um, it was just another night match. But those night matches, to me, I, I mean, I, I still have very, very fond memories of so many night matches at the Open that they really feel like finals because you're the only people left right. in the locker room. Throughout the day, even in the quarterfinals, there's still a few other people in the locker room. Um, there's still matches going on. There's still doubles matches going on, mixed doubles matches. And so there's the locker room still full, but at night it's like a final where you know it's just the two people left and that's it. And so it was, uh, it was pretty empty, but it was... Um, you know, the similar feeling to a lot of other night matches. Yeah, yeah and the atmosphere is absolutely electric. Yes. So we get to the fist set tiebreaker in a second. Um, to start this match, you come out absolutely firing on yeah. all cylinders and yeah. absolutely blistering the ball, physically pushing Andre around. Yeah. And you win those first two sets, 6-3, six, 6-3. Three, six, three. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre, champion that he is, <laughs> somehow claws his way back in the yeah. third and fourth set Winning those, uh, winning those sets with the identical scores. Yeah, so I, I def, like you're right. I came out just um, as aggressive as I could possibly be, and I knew I felt like I needed to do that against Andre because if you let him get on the offensive at all, he's going to make your, your life uh, just miserable for the entire day. I've seen him do it too many times to players. He's done it to me before, um, so I couldn't let that happen, and I was sticking to my plan. I was being aggressive. I was missing plenty of balls, but I was also dictating play, and I was the one controlling the rallies. Um, and that led me to win two sets. And then, the, the, like you said, he's a champion. He's so great. If I back off that tiniest, tiniest percentage, um, he's going to take advantage and capitalize on that. He did, and he absolutely turned it around. And he started playing, in my opinion, even more aggressive than he was playing than he normally plays because I felt like he probably figured he needed to do that to. down two sets to love. Let's try something. And he did. And with his ball striking, with his ability, with his mental ability, he was able to be extremely successful, and that put me a little bit on my heels. And so um, he got those next two sets, and he really earned them. He, I mean, he turned everything around from every. I, I pretty much I gave him like a boxing match. I gave him my best, my best punches, my best shots, and he turned around and he did the same right back to me. And then the fifth set was just a whole nother animal. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just once we got to that point, it's okay. Now we're in a one set battle, and we hadn't actually been out there that long it was one in the morning but it was a lot of that had to do with the women's match before us was really long so we didn't start till late because we were playing extremely quick tennis uh between points yes um both of us just get up to the line and play we don't take we don't go to the towel we don't take a long time so that match if we had been playing at the pace of say rafa and novak we could have been there till three or four in the morning um but it was still one in the morning we're playing a fifth set and now it's just i don't think either of us were struggling physically it was a matter of just who mentally is going to be able to handle this fifth set? So the fifth set happens, and, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't end any other way. With the fifth <laughs> set tiebreaker, you know, it's now like 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, go on to YouTube, and there's a number of videos that you can watch. Some are better than others as far as 
splicing the yeah. fist set tiebreaker down. And um, I'm going to make James relive this a little <laughs> bit. And again, thanks, thanks so much. We're yeah. going to clump a few points together, yeah. but there are some crucial points that I'm going to ask James to kind of give his um, mindset on. So again, listeners, you could hear us talk about it, but what's really cool about it is if you go on and follow along with us. So the first three points, let's start to clump those points together. Andre serves first in the tiebreaker. You, there's a blistering backhand rally which between both of you, and you win. Yeah. Um, you then win, so now you're up a mini break, you then win the second point in another brutal baseline rally, along with winning a third point on a blistering forehand down the line. I mean, you guys, there's no letting up, there's no being tentative in this. I mean, this yeah. is someone is going to take it. Yeah. You're up 3-0 at this point. Um, no, it's a long way to go, yeah. but you're up the mini break at first. You hold your two serves, pummeling the ball. What's your thought process right here? Well, that's when I think the camera did catch me kind of talking to myself and, and looking up. And I, I hadn't been thinking as much um, about my dad um, throughout this match. And I thought about it because I really felt confident now. The way, Like you said, those three points were some of my best points. And I, I had served for the match. He broke me back. Um, and then I served, I think I held it love to get back into the tiebreaker and really felt confident at that point that, you know what, no matter what comes, the ups and the downs in the match, I am absolutely ready for this. And You just, smiled. You yeah, smiled and looked and up to the sky. Because I really thought about it at that point. I thought about this is what my dad prepared me for. My dad was always the one that, that taught me about mental toughness. And um, it's funny, he taught me not to really look up at my box, look up at um, you know who's out there in the crowd or whatever. Like they can't help you. You're out there doing this on your own. And I, I took a moment to say, you know, to be like, you know, thankful because th- I felt prepared. I felt ready for this tiebreaker, ready for this moment. Um, and um, maybe forgot <laughs> that Andre was there and he's ready too. <laughs> but I, I mean, I really felt like, even so, no matter what I did in that tiebreaker, I played as well as I could have. I did a lot of things right, um, and Andre did a, a few things a little bit a little bit better. But I, I really felt like I was ready for that moment, and um, that was sort of that one moment where I took to to kind of um, look back and say say a little bit of a thanks and I love you, Dad, for for what he had taught me in not just in tennis but in life. So I was uh, that that was that that brief fleeting moment where I thought about my dad. And yeah, I mean, for to to be an athlete at the elite level to be able to. <laughs> enjoy it take yeah. that all in two u.s players mm-hmm. playing at the top of their game it was so so special that um the camera caught you doing that yeah. so you race up 3-0 mm-hmm. andre wins both his points on a serve mm-hmm. and he gets the mini bra- mini break back on a volley that you miss mm-hmm. a little bit long yeah it's now all tied up at three andre's got the momentum mm-hmm. <laughs> you come up with an ace stay, i mean it, the the ebbs and flows were incredible you come up yeah. with an ace take a 4-3 lead and then Andre wins a short backhand rally to tie it back up at four. And now is really when it gets interesting. Yeah. Andre serves at 4-4. And uh, by all accounts, this was not the best shot selection he could have done. But he tries a, to hit a misdirection down the line, backhand off his back foot. Completely fooled you and everybody. I mean, yeah. this was not the highest percentage of shot. Um, he just barely misses. And, you know, he thought he may have got a piece of line. The replay showed he did miss it. You're now up 5-4 yeah. and can serve this thing out. Yeah, and, I, I mean, it's tough to say there's any sort of a, um, a low percentage shot off Andre's backhand. You know, I, I used to love watching his backhand. I mean, if I ever see tapes, I still think his, his backhand is just so pure, the way he hits it. So and, clean. And his, um, his ball striking is just amazing. So, 
for him to just miss that, and he took his chance, and that's what we both had to do in this match, and as you talk about, and as if people are watching this, like, the level of tennis that was played in that tiebreaker and in that fifth set, um, we had to take some risks, and if people want to criticize us for taking risks, they're, you know, they're more than welcome to do that, but that was the level we were playing. It was the only he, way someone was going to win yeah, that. Yeah, you couldn't play safe, and... Uh, and just keep going where they ex- where the opponent's expecting you to go because we're hitting the ball so well that it was tough to, to get, make any progress then. So he took a chance. He just barely missed it. Um, but I think if you talk to him, he, he may say that was the chance I had to take, and that was you know that was the percentage play, even though it may seem low percentage. And I had plenty of those shots that I played throughout this match where I had to take some chances. I had to be aggressive because if I let him be the aggressor, I'm going to be in trouble, and it would have been maybe a, a straight sets win for him. So he took his chance, but he did it with his most um, effective and most efficient shot in his backhand, and um, he just missed it. So now I'm at 5-4, and I'm thinking, all right, you know, my serve isn't my biggest weapon, but I feel like I've got a big enough serve that I can at least hopefully control these points and then put it on my racket and be able to handle this. And um, it didn't quite go that way. But so, it, I <laughs> so, so at 5-4, you, you miss a first serve. Yeah. And you hit a second serve, mm-hmm. and it happened to be right in Andre's wheelhouse, yeah. which he ripped for, for a winner. And I remember reading a quote from you. Um, if you could take back one shot in this yeah. tiebreaker, you would have gone for a little bit extra yeah. on that second serve. Yeah, and that's where I think, um, like I, I just talked about, is you got to take a few extra chances. And my serve, my second serve wasn't really my... Um, my shot where I had the most confidence. I didn't feel like this was my chance to take, um, you know, to take more risk and, and be as aggressive because it wasn't what I normally took risks on. It was generally my forehand that I was going to be aggressive on. Looking back, which 2020, I mean, hindsight is always 2020. Looking back, I would have loved to have put more on that one and taken a little bit more of that risk. And if I double, I double, but I don't give him the opportunity to be the aggressor there and maybe either try to really get a kick out to his backhand and try to pull him off the court or take a chance and slide it uh, to the tee a little more instead of just putting it right in the wheelhouse there. And um, I think maybe my thought process at that time was, was okay, it's 5-4. He's going to play a little tentative and, and not really just rip this and um, and give me a chance to get into this point. Obviously, he didn't. He was, you know, he's too much of a champion to do that. He's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. He still just took his rip when he had, you know, when I, when I lay it in there, he's got the chance. So why isn't he going to take it? And he did. So, yeah, I would have loved to have put a little more on that or made a first serve. <laughs> I mean, going into that at 5-4, I'm thinking, all right, make two first serves here. Um, put yourself in position to win, get an ace or get a, um, you know, get a service winner or just get yourself in the right position and, you know, didn't do it. I, you know, my serve um, throughout my career was probably below 60% uh, on first serve, so it's not like I should have been guaranteed that I was going to um, was gonna get two in, but... Would have been a nice time to get to it. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's now five five, and you talk about being aggressive. And the next point is you were you were really aggressive. You mm-hmm. barely miss uh, a monster inside in forehand on a serve plus one. Yeah. Barely miss it. Yeah. Um, so your thought process now you're going up five four to serve into the match. Mm-hmm. Now you're down five six. Um, Andre's serving for the match. What do you do? You just even rip a ball even harder inside and forehand for a winner to tie this back up at 6-6. And for the, for the listeners, again, I, I strongly urge you to go on and watch this tiebreaker because the shot making in this tiebreaker was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that 5-6 point. So the 5-ball point, I, I, you know, after letting him be the aggressor, I said, okay, on this one, if I get a forehand, I'm going to take my rip. I'm going to be aggressive, and I'm going to be the one that's pushing the issue. Barely um, missed. I just missed it, <laughs> but I... 
then it's so now it's five six, and actually that point at five six is one of my favorite points that I played in my entire career because. Um, so now I'm down match point after I'd served for this match, um, quarterfinals, you know, for me to get to my first ever semifinals of a, of a slam. Um, and he's got the opportunity on one point there, he's serving for it. We play a long rally. And then I still remember my decision was I could go inside out, but he's sitting there. He's sitting on that. He knows that his back end is so good. And I know the lower percentage shot is to go, um, inside in <laughs> down the line, but Honestly, at that point, I thought I have made that shot so many thousands of times in practice. So, so many thousands of times in practice. Why can't I make it right now? So I went for it, and he was nowhere near it. And I, I loved actually hearing that he, you know, wrote about it in his book. I read his book, and he wrote about it that it was nowhere near where he thought I was going to go. And that, <laughs> that made me feel good because I, I knew I saw he was sitting, waiting for for that rally ball going back to the backhand. He thought I had to go there. And I wasn't going to take this kind of chance. Just the same as I didn't think he would take a chance at 5-4. Right. He didn't think I was going to take this chance at 5-6. And I did. And I executed it perfectly because I really just – and that's where preparation comes in is I just thought, you know what? I've done this so many times in practice. Why can't I do it at 5-6 in the fifth set? And Why not? No pressure. So, yeah. No pressure. <laughs> so I did it. And, but I also – I was – you know, not that in a split second I, I was okay with this or had really thought that through. But had I missed that, I also probably would have come off the court and said, you know what? that's the shot I should have hit. And if some, someone in a booth had said, oh, well, he shouldn't have gone for that, I should have played it safe, that wasn't the play. The play is to be aggressive and go for the shot that I know I can make, and I did it. And, you know, that's why that one was one of my favorites, and I'm really happy I, I went for that shot at that time. Unbelievable. So, um, again, we talk about the ebbs and flows. We're now 6-6. Six, six. Mm-hmm. And you and Andre play an unbelievable point yeah. at 6-6, six, six. and yeah. it's it's pretty long point. And I don't know if Andre was getting out of running out of gas or something, but he hits that backhand drop shot. Yeah. And it wasn't a great, great I mean, Andre's hit that drop shot a lot better than he did. Yeah. You easily get to it and you hit it back down the line to Andre's backhand, where Andre then hits a down the line passing shot. I want to say kind of behind you. Yeah. In looking at the video, you actually slip a bit. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's you kind of guessing wrong or um Whatever the case was. Yeah, so I was, I was definitely looking cross-court. Um, but, I, I mean, again, hindsight 2020, that's the one that I, probably even more than that five, four-second serve, that's the one that I feel like I made a, a, an error on. Um, because my thinking at that time was he was already, like, right on the baseline or maybe even inside the baseline um, when he hit that drop shot. So if I could push that one deep and push him back, um, and down the line, I felt like it was easier. There's less court um, that you have to travel through, so I thought I could just push it deep in the court and push him back. I didn't hit it perfectly, and what I'm, what I should have probably thought in my, you know, in my my calculations is that I had more room to go cross court, and that's the shot that may not be as um, reliable is his forehand side. So I went back to the side that he feels most comfortable. I didn't hit it perfectly, and then not hitting it perfectly. He absolutely ripped a backhand, and there was nothing I could. There wasn't much. I think even if I had guessed right, I would have struggled to hit that one. He hit it so well, um, and that's the one that I hesitate to, you know, or I think about uh, that I probably made a bad decision. I could have, um, I could have even gone short cross court, or I could have tried to because I had time. I could have really gotten a deep cross to his uh, to his forehand, and I think if I get it deep to his forehand, he probably has to try to come up with a lob and. 
if he comes up with a lob at that point at six all in the fifth set um, off his weaker side, too good. get over me, that's too good. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's the one I, I wish I had done. But, I mean, again, for anyone watching it, that point was ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, mean, I, I, felt, like I, I felt like I won it three or four times um, with, I mean. I think Andre bailed himself out by going yeah. for the dropper. I yeah. think he was running out of gas. Yeah, because I don't know how many people, uh, how TV, I, I, I haven't watched the um, – uh, the video before before now, so I hadn't seen how it plays on TV. But I do know, from my memory, we were absolutely ripping the cover off the ball, and there were so many times I thought, I just hit that so hard that there's no way he's going to be able to respond in kind. It's going to be a short ball, or it's going to be a sitter, and it never was until he went for that drop shot, and then I, I, I had my chance, and uh, you know he came up with, um, you know he stayed, he stayed at home, guessed right, and ripped it back in. And then on, so then Andre is up seven six, and you know he hits a, a forehand inside winner, uh, mm-hmm. inside in winner to take again James, what many consider one of the uh, best night matches in, in history in, in New York, in New York of the Open. And and you know and, and Andre said when they interviewed him, and I know Andre and you were friends. Yeah. Um, but the main thing that he said that stood out was not that he won. Yeah. Was that tennis won tonight? Yeah. And. Um, I mean, I remember watching it at home in Chicago, two in the morning. I was Central Time. Yeah. It was still like one thirty in the morning my time. Yeah. Um, I, don't quote me on that, but it was yeah. well after midnight. Um, thank you. Yeah. This was really special wow. to hear the mindset of someone who played in such an elite uh, match against yeah. one of the greatest of all time. And, and I mean, it was by, by we're talking not centimeters, yeah. we're talking millimeters. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Andre, Andre's right. I always joke with him that it's, it, it was easier to say that tennis won tonight when you were actually the one that won. But it was, uh, <laughs> but it was, but he was accurate. He's, and he is a good friend. And he's, um, you know, he, he was right. It was, it, it's funny because um, all the matches I've ever played in my career, I've had a lot of wins, a lot of losses. And that one stands out as now we're going on 15 years later. And people still talk to me about where they were and how they watched it. And they were in the stands or they were at home uh, staying up late. And, you know, that to me shows that Andre was, uh, was even more right than he knew at that time because people are talking about a tennis match 15 years ago. And whether he won or whether I won, um, it you know, it, it was important at the time. It is important in the history of the game, but um, the fact that people are still talking and thinking about a tennis match is, is what, um, to me, is really a big win. Absolutely. Um, again, it, it, was a, it was special to have you do this. I appreciate it. Pleasure. So there you have it, everybody, as I just throw my pen at James. Um, hope you guys all appreciated that. Um, so special to have James in here again. You could hear Courtside Dealings and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Now we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, anywhere you uh, regularly hear your podcasts. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Thanks. Bye.